Guys, thank you so much for joining me again today. With me today is Stephen Saylor. Uh, Stephen is a buddy of mine, and he's also the principal of Langdon Title, which is a title insurance company in New York. I sat down with him and spoke to him for about 15 minutes about what title actually is. Many of my clients have the same question. They don't really understand what title insurance does and why in the world they have to pay thousands of dollars for it. So I want to have an in-depth conversation with Stephen about what specifically it is that he does that creates value for people that are buying. We get into the weeds a little bit on some regulations that are coming into play that's going to affect uh, pricing and the way these closings are done. We also really talk about some examples of things he does to save his clients' butts, um, everything from incorrect deeds to fraud uh, to boundary lines. I really wanted to put this together to give an example of what it is that you're paying for uh, because a lot of my clients come to me and they say, well, why do I need this? There aren't a lot of claims. Stephen does a really great job of demystifying the process, so I hope you enjoy the most recent podcast. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me today, my man. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So um, no one knows what title insurance is. Right. Uh, no one has any idea. I'm a real estate attorney, and I, I'm still kind of hedging <laughs> on, on what it is. Can you tell me what title insurance actually is? Yes. Well, you're definitely not alone because uh, it's something that's been around for over 100 years. Most practitioners really don't understand the full extent of what title insurance is. So in its simplest terms, title insurance is really just an insurance policy that protects a homeowner or a lender in the case of a mortgage against title defects that uh, exist at the time of the sale. So that's in its simplest terms. Um, what are defects? Uh, defects can range from, you know, known def there's known defects and there's unknown defects. The known defects are a mechanics lien. So like when a contractor doesn't get paid for the work, they can put a lien on the property a judgment that the seller has against them. Those things are of record on title when you close. So if a title insurance company during the process misses that or it doesn't get picked up when they're doing their diligence and it arises after you purchase the property, then that becomes a title issue that your insurance covers. An unknown defect, fraud, uh, there's a minor selling, you didn't know the person was a minor, uh, an older person could be incapacitated mentally and didn't know what they were signing. Those sort of things that aren't discoverable by, by looking at the record could arise after closing. And really what it is, it's different than any other insurance product that everyone's familiar with. You know, car insurance, health insurance, you pay monthly and it protects you for anything that happens in the future. Title insurance, you pay one time at closing and it protects you for everything that happened prior to that. Can you give me some examples? Actually, that, that was the clearest explanation of title insurance. I'm not even kidding that, that I've ever received. Um, so thank you for that. Can you give me some examples? Like, I mean, you've been doing this for, for quite a while that right. you've seen of how you guys essentially, if I'm a purchaser and I come in and I, I buy title insurance, how have you guys protected um, people in the past? Like, Give me some examples of things that have happened. Perfect. And, and, and what a lot of people don't realize about what a title insurance company does, it's not that they just get, at closing give you the policy and say, if you have an issue, come back to us. Their title defects in probably 80% of the, the, the properties we look at, from the smallest issues to really large, complicated issues. The title insurance company is clearing those issues before you get to closing. So at closing, there shouldn't be any issues. So that's why you don't see that many claims. Uh, you know, we've been in the business uh, quite some time, and we haven't had a claim. Now, that's not to say that we're better than everyone else. It's just the fact that 
we're cleaning these issues up before you get to closing. But some of the issues that, that do arise uh, tend to be uh, recording. Let's say you buy, a, you buy a condominium here in New York City. Um, you get a deed from the seller that conveys the property. That deed, to put the world on notice, has to be recorded. If a title company or, or whoever's handling the recording doesn't record the deed, and then the seller, the, the seller in the transaction conveys the property to someone else, now you don't have a property, you paid a million, two million dollars, there's nothing there. That's sort of the worst case scenario, a full title claim. Other small claims could be um, there was a judgment that um, wasn't picked up, maybe it was a $10,000 judgment, the, the seller uh, you know, may have owed a, you know, a credit card money for not paying their credit card, and now the credit card company is coming after the seller. Seller has no assets. They can, it attaches to the property. So in that instance, you have a smaller claim. And then there are certain things that m people may be uh, more uh, attuned to, such as with houses, you have uh, you know, boundary line disputes. You know, someone built a fence on your property. And, you know, how do you deal with that? Those are sort of things that, that, that come up in the, in the normal course. So it's more pro I mean, one of the things that I kind of realized after a period of time is that when you think of insurance, you typically think of reactive. Life insurance, you get the money when someone dies. Health insurance, you use it when you get sick. This is significantly more proactive, though. So in the typical situation, you know, we will, let's say we go into contract, we represent a purchaser. We'll order a title report from you. About a week later, we get a report. And at that point, we know what's up. Right. We know what, what's going on. And, you know, you essentially let us know, look, these are the exceptions that are there. We, we have to deal with a lot of these things um, that come up. And we're able to, as you mentioned, there's not a lot of claims afterwards because we're able to make sure that everything's clean uh, by the time of closing. Correct. Yeah. So, for instance, let's say that there are the, the seller, you know, there are two judgments against the seller. We're not going well, what the title company will do is we will then communicate with sales attorney, obviously make them aware that there's a judgment if they weren't aware already. Then we'll, we'll with them, we'll work with either the plaintiff's counsel in that case, um, either with respect to a settlement, if let's say for instance, the, the seller doesn't feel that they're in the wrong and they wanna fight this, we can hold escrow uh, for a certain amount of time and say, you know, we'll give you 30, 60 days to resolve this if not, we're going to pay off the judgment. So those those are things that we'll never get to the closing table if those things are still open. So it the most claims that you see in New York are mostly like things that are not discovered. But listen, title companies, examiners, they can make mistakes. So they may miss a mortgage that's in the chain to a private lender. Lender finds out a year later that the the, the, the you know the home was sold. They have they have they can file litigation. And what the title insurance really does, it does really two, it has two things, it does two things. One, it covers you, covers the cost of litigation. So let's say you buy a condominium, you live there for a year, someone comes in and files a lawsuit against you that the previous owner owed money on a judgment. Now you file a claim with the title insurance company, they will cover your litigation costs. You don't have to come out of pocket to hire an attorney to fight this, even if it's a, you know, because some claims may just be, you know, uh, you know, lack of a better term, a BS claim. But um, if, the, if, if the seller was in the wrong or there was something missed and someone has a legitimate claim, it will cover the cost of that claim. Or if it's a full claim, it'll cover the cost of the purchase price. So let's say you bought something for $2 million and it was a fraudulent transaction and someone else actually is the real owner, you would get a $2 million check 
to, you know, from the title insurance company. And then at the closing itself, just to bring it full circle, there's someone that represents the title company, right? A closer that's actually there, and they'll go through the, the, the policy, the actual Co- title. Report, correct. I say. So what we do is, obviously, most of the things are taken care of. There's certain items that we need to find out on the day of closing. For instance, sometimes we get a common name, like let's say if it's Joe Smith, Joe Smith may, we may run judgments against Joe Smith, and there are 200 judgments. It's probably not that person, but we need to get an affidavit from that, from that person saying it's not them. Listen, it's not 100%, but we, we have to do our best to make sure that we've sort of cleared all the issues. And then the closer really makes sure that the documents are you know, signed where they need to be signed, because if they're not, the Department of Taxation or Finance won't accept them to be recorded. Um, and they check IDs, and there really are eyes uh, at the closing table. Can you talk to me about pricing? I mean, some of the, it's not really a pushback that I get from my clients, mm-hmm. but they, they, the pricing is opaque for whatever reason right. in the title industry, though it's completely regulated, as I understand Correct. it. So can you, t- like, I, I think one of the misconceptions that clients have is that if they go with company A, it's going to cost $1,000, and company B is going to cost $5,000. That's crazy. Right. So can you talk about pricing, how it's determined? Yes. Yeah. So in New York State, it's a state-regulated industry. Um, title insurance premiums are statutory so you have um so one company can't really offer different pricing on the premiums than the other now there are a few companies out there that um have come in and and been approved for lower rates but the the important thing especially in new york um and what you'll see in new york and i hope i don't get in trouble for saying this is that you want an underwriter that has big reserves because if there is a claim let's say you don't want the company to have three million, six million reserves. Your claim's three million dollars. They're going to fight you tooth and nail because they don't want to go under. Um, you know the big underwriters that everyone's familiar with. They have reserves of in the hundreds of millions of dollars. So those are all. All those underwriters have the same fees. That's the premiums. But then what you'll see on your title bill, you'll see a di- couple different things. You'll see the mortgage tax and the transfer tax. That is money the title company collects in escrow to then pay pay certain taxes. Um, and then there are municipal fees. Now that's where, and we'll, we, I guess we can get into it later about the regulations, but that's where you'll see big discrepancies between title companies because that is not regulated and it's really not part of the insurance product. So what I mean by municipals, you know, in New York you'll do a CFO search, a housing and building search, emergency repair. These searches, which are more classified as zoning, they will be done by the title company, but they're not actually covered in the policy. So we charge for that, and we charge for helping clear those issues. So you'll, if, if, you, if you're getting bills of thousands of dollars for municipals and recording fees, you're probably being overcharged. But, but, but the fees are, it's, it's actually a formula that's based on the purchase price and the mortgage amount, and um, they're different levels. So if you buy a new development, that has 10 or more units, you get what's called a bulk rate, which is 70% of a straight rate, a standard rate. If you refinance with the same lender, you get a discounted rate. If you refinance in, with a different lender, it's even a different rate. So there are different classes of rates. You wanna make sure, uh, especially when, you, when you're working with a title company um, that you may not be familiar with, that they're charging you the, the, the correct rates. And interestingly enough, as you said in, to start the show, uh, most people don't know much about title insurance. So, a lot of people won't even catch that on a title bill, whether it's the lender, the attorney, or the, or the agent. Yeah, they just pay what's there. We review yeah. the, the bill with the client at the closing, and typically we ask, and you guys send the bill prior to the right. closing itself. 
um, that doesn't really uh, uh, change that much to the closing table itself, and we explain what, what everything is. But a lot of clients sort of don't get it, and there was I, I know some some years ago there was a couple companies that were out of state that tried mm -hmm. to do their own underwriting yeah. as well, and so they tried to come in with savings. Yeah. But you know, one of the points to keep in mind is, um, and again, this may go over some some buyers' heads potentially, but a lot of what we look for as attorneys is the service component as well. Right. So if you're saving 300 or 400 bucks, that's that's great for the end client sometimes. But if they have absolutely no idea what they're doing in New York, that becomes significantly problematic yeah. at the closing, right? And yeah. that's that's honestly what I found. That's for a years great later. point, yeah. and I'm glad you brought that up because this is probably this is most people's largest investment in their lives. They're spending hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars on something. To use the right company, you don't want. It's not about 400 or 500 dollars because there are scenarios where they're, you know, if you don't know who's working on the file and clearing, even if you're protected by the title insurance, you don't want to have a claim while you own the property. You won't be able to refinance. You won't be able to sell until that litigation is resolved. So it, it, even if, even with the coverage, a, a, a poor job of clearing title can result in tremendous uh, headaches for people post-closing. Yeah, the pro-con is absolutely absurd. Right. Like to save 400 bucks and then and then not catch certain things or, you know, have an issue, even as something as simple as after a closing, people have to file the, the, the ACRIS documents, the title yeah. company files the ACRIS documents. And we found companies that come into the New York marketplace, my experience yeah. anecdotal, sometimes have an issue with that. And so that, you know, starts headaches, et cetera, et cetera. So service is a huge component. Yeah, and specifically in New York, what I've seen with out-of-state companies sometimes is you have to pay state transfer tax within a certain amount of days and city. If you sit on those documents, the penalties start accruing, and the new homeowner is going to get uh, a notice in, in the mail, and they're going to they're going to call their agent broker. They're going to call you and say, "What? What? Why am I being penalized?" Well, the document wasn't recorded quickly enough. Well, whose responsibility was that? The title company. If the title company is not doing that um, regularly, you know the way they should be doing. These the the, the state's been sending out notices like crazy, and, and it's become a big problem. Um. New regulations got proposed in the industry. Oh, boy. It's shaking. So, yeah, so no one's oh going to have any idea. End buyers are going to have no idea what this means, but this is probably, I would say, a tectonic shift in the title industry. Yes. Um, and attorneys are kind of watching from the sidelines because, honestly, you know, we network with you guys a lot and, and we do business with you guys a lot, and this is going to change things tremendously, and it changes the landscape of title, honestly, for, for everyone, purchasers yeah. as well. Um, can you talk to me about what's proposed, maybe some highlights, and sure. how this is going to change something for you know Joe Smith that's buying a title insurance policy? So how, how long do we have here? Because this With, is it's, <laughs> it's open. It's open mic night, man. I'll, I'll try to. This is this is actually a um, a very severe change in, in the way the real estate business is be, being done in New York, and I'll explain and I'll try to keep it short. But this could definitely be an hour conversation. Um, the one regulation that that's really uh, putting the fear in, in everyone's eyes is this Regulation 208, which basically governs uh, how title insurance companies market, how they charge their, the consumers, and how their title closers, as we talked about a little bit earlier, are compensated. Uh, so that doesn't sound like anything crazy right there, but uh, I think, let me, let, and, and there's actually a four, they're, they're, they're ta this is not really consumer related, but they're talking about a 5% decrease in our, in our premiums for some uh, reporting that we, we do every year. But I'll, that's more of a, a, a underwriter title agent issue. Um, marketing expenses, they are proposing to 
get pretty much get away with all sort of marketing expenses, which include taking people out for coffee, going to sporting events, having holiday parties, pretty much anything of value that you would give to someone that either you're trying to do business with, you cannot do anymore. The reasoning that the DFS has, which is the Department of Financial Services, is that they are saying that they want to lower costs for consumers on real estate transactions and the money that the title insurance companies spend on entertaining what they say is raising prices. Let me start with saying there is definitely in this business, like a lot of other businesses, people who are doing things the wrong way, whether it be giving kickbacks and other illegal inducements uh, for in order to get business. But what this is really going to hinder is the normal marketing expenses. When I meet a new client, for the most part, it's usually a warm referral or it's, you know, there's not a lot of advertising that gets done because, again, on the residential side, it gets, consumers buying a house or a condo once, twice, three times in their life. So they don't, are not too familiar with title insurance companies, so they rely on their attorneys. Same on the refinance side. They rely on their loan officers to use a title company that they trust. But in order for me to get to know attorneys and, and, and mortgage brokers, I have to meet them. If someone doesn't know me, they're not going to take time out of their day to either meet at a location and pay on. It's just not how business is done in any industry. And I'm not talking about an expensive lunch. I mean, when, when we, we actually met for the first time, we had coffee. I mean, and that's typically how people, but under these new regs, I can't even cover a cup of coffee. Which is insane. Which is insane. So, um, is without, good coffee. Right, without getting too into the legal aspect of why the DFS, we believe, is overreaching their authority, um, that's, that's something that's going to be litigated. And, but, you know, as far as the, the timeline, December 18th, this goes into effect. So that's, that's one issue, and that's, that's an issue that I think um, – oh, and let me just take a, one step back. A lot of times when I have a meeting and I'm meeting someone, I'll bring – let's say I'll bring a, a, a broker, an attorney, and maybe say a lender to a lunch, and we can get together. But now I'm not allowed to pay for that lunch. It, so it, it, it makes it harder, and, and especially new people coming into the business. How are they going to meet new people? So, and, and also just, just from my angle in, in looking at this, because I, I have no skin in the game in this, but um, this seems to help larger companies to a certain extent who have a um, larger presence and have relationships for a long period of time. So if, if you're a startup and you want to start a title company, I don't know how you do Good that. Luck. Yeah, and and for smaller companies these days, which which affects competition, to be honest with you, I mean it's, it's no, it does, and it's going to put it's going to push a lot of people out of the business. The bigger companies, and what what's so interesting about this whole thing is, you know, this and it was in the preamble, and it's I think currently in the preamble of the, of the regs. It says we want to protect consumers, which they mean residential. Well, the companies that are buying the suites, that are getting the planes, that are taking people on these extravagant trips. They're taking commercial clients out. They're not really taking residential attorneys or I wish. Or, right, right, right. Or, or lenders. So it's it's not really the, the examples they gave of these extravagant parties are more. Uh, you see that more on the commercial end. So you know, and on the commercial end, everyone's protected by attorneys and whatnot. So. There's You're a, talking about sophisticated. I mean, there's sophisticated right, buyers that are correct. doing tens of millions correct. of dollar transactions. And the premiums right. are a lot right. higher. Right. So. It, it's interesting to see how this is going to play out. Um, this is going to, and, and 
might I add, New York has not raised title insurance premiums and I think in 16 or 17 years, while certain states have you know, raised them three or four times in that time span. So it's not that anyone's asking for more, it's just, it's an attack on the industry that's being taken very seriously. If you look at it, you guys just have basically a narrative problem, right? Because the typical narrative that's put out there, and I represent a lot of people that buy for the first time, they, they're told one way or the other, they'll look up online and they'll say title insurance is completely unnecessary whatsoever because, and we covered this, you never have any claims, right? These guys never have to pay out. But as we discuss, it's proactive, so you're right. not going to have that many claims because you guys are protecting. That's the exact point. So the, the, that's why there's almost no claims, and you don't see that with car insurance. They're not checking to see, you know, if your 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 drive to New Jersey is going to be filled with bad drivers. And I mean, we're clearing everything. And let's say, so someone could say, you know, Daniel, well, that's great. So why don't we just pay for a search, have them check title, and if there's nothing there, what's what's the problem? Well, again, it comes down to finding things that are not discovered, and the title insurance company can miss something. I have a friend who, who literally a week ago bought a house near where I live, and they got a summons and complaint in the mail saying that a, a, a certain fund owns half of their property based off of a judgment for, from a previous owner. They had no idea what was going on. They called the title insurance company. Title insurance company had no idea. Lo and behold, there's a, deed, a sheriff's deed that was recorded out to this fund. Title company must have missed it. So now they, they, they're looking to sell their house. They can't sell their house. They can't do anything. This litigation could last two weeks. It could last two years. So that was something that even if you did, they did the search and they missed it, you're, it, there's so much money on the line here for the small amount. And when I say small amount, I don't mean that money grows on trees, but a couple thousand dollars. At the no, most. It's, a, it's a small amount. I mean, given the investment that you're making, exactly. it's, it's a, it's a hedge. You need 100%. 100%. Um, again, just going back to it, there's inherent... One of the reasons I wanted to do this was because, again, I think that the industry has gotten a bad rap. Mm -hmm. I think there's inherent value. So we, as attorneys, there's, there's times where this has probably happened one or two times in, in the 10 or 11 years I've been practicing where a, a, a buyer has said, I, don't, I want to forego title insurance. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. And I won't touch the file. And right. attorneys won't touch the file because there are so many responsibilities then put on us that we don't want to have anything to do with the liability in case something happens after the closing actually takes place. So I think the one thing to take from this is that there's inherent value in what you guys do and, and what you charge. And you brought up the fact that they haven't raised premium in, in, in what, a decade? Has it been? Uh, over a decade. Now, premiums in New York are one of the highest in the country, but also the property values are higher sure. than most in the country sure. as well. Yeah. So I think going forward after these regulations, proposed regulations, maybe they, they come into play, it changes the dynamic. One other thing I just want you to, to, to mention is the way that the independent closer system works, because this is kind of near and dear to my heart. So the independent closers that come in that represent title companies, they, they represent a bunch of them, and they're essentially independent contractors. Yes. So I work with many of them, and it's the same familiar faces on each file, and I trust them inherently. They typically get uh, a specific amount of fees uh, from the seller and from the buyer. Optional fees, obviously, yeah. but it, it's typical that you would receive these. These are middle-class, salt-of-the-earth people that run around the entire city doing five to six closings a day to feed their family. These are not people that are driving Porsches no, and doing any of these things. And with these new regulations, we, as let's say I represent buyer, or, or mm -hmm. I, I don't believe that we're going to be able to, to compensate them in any way. Sellers certainly will not be able to compensate them in any way, correct? Well, 
the, there's absolutely no guidance from DFS as to sort of a work. Right now, they're saying the title company is responsible for paying the closer because it's an agent of the title company. When premiums, this is this is actually the most important thing. I feel like that that, that the regs are really how how it's going to affect real estate transactions. Um, you know, we can all get if if they limit the way the expenses, we, we're all going to get by. But I think the closers, the 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 history of a title closer getting paid by the buyer typically at closing has been around for 60, 70, 80 years, okay? Um, they're done, like you said, by independent contractors. They don't get paid by the title company. They get paid by the buyer. They, it, see, the, the fact that it's called a gratuity uh, customarily is, I think, a reason why it sort of triggers people saying, oh, I don't want to pay. But they're doing their job. They shouldn't get a pay. Bad narrative. Same right. thing. It's really an appearance fee. And it's not just helping the title company because they are there to make sure we get the documents we need, we collect the checks we need, we get the signatures we need. But they're also helping the attorneys. They're making copies. They're checking things for the attorney that helps the attorney when they're with their client at the closing. And what they're proposing to do is to have the title company bear that cost. And the problem with that is that that will severely cut into the margin of the title companies. And, and while, yes, you, people, we all understand that with change, people could be making less money, but what about the residential refi that is a $200,000 residential refinance? The premium on that, let's say $400, $600, let's say, we now have to pay a closer 200 250 We're paying you know, our employees to work. There's no margin. You're on just not going to do it. So what's going to happen is companies are going to shy away from that. There's gonna, the quality of closers uh, is, is definitely going to get worse. And you're going to – the whole system of how residential real estate transactions and commercial in New York is going to change on December 18th. And whether an attorney can raise their fee and pay – we don't know if that's still a violation because we have to get something signed by the closer or by the purchaser saying that they didn't pay anything. Uh, there's no guidance. There's no enforcement. So if a, if a title company attempts to sort of go around the system and they're, they're penalized, they could lose their license. So I don't think title companies are going to take the risks. There have been closers that are suggesting, well, we're notaries, and they've gotten word from the attorney general that they can charge a notary fee. But I still have to get. I still. It's still my butt on the line if they take any money. And there's been no guidance from DFS that that's acceptable. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And and like you like. And one more thing to that that, that point. People are like, well, why don't you just have one or two in-house closers and 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 you'll just have people come to your office. Well, you know, they're. I mean, there's different sized companies. You can have 30 closings in a day you know, to all at the same time, you just can't do it. And what's, I can't tell a client, say, you know, we're not ready, we can't close today because your client, the buyer may have a rate lock expiration and they have to close by that date. I can't say, well, no, I don't have a closer available. So it's really gonna affect how everybody, uh, you know, closes deals and it, it's scary. Yeah, there's a smoothness to the transaction typically and there's a lot of moving parts. The thing that I'll leave off on is that you know, when we have to schedule a closing, we have like six cooks in the kitchen. We have to make sure that the seller's attorney is ready, that the sellers are ready, that we're ready, that our bank is ready. 
the one thing we never have to worry about is whether or not title's ready because we simply tell the title company we are closing on X date and you send someone to show up. There's never been an instance where I've had a title company say to me, sorry, we're not available. Mm -hmm. And what you do behind the scenes is you scramble and find the closer that you need to, to send on this. And what will happen with something like this if you have less people in the industry and less people to close is that the process is going to get less smooth, right? We're going to have significant issues back and forth. And again, I think a big consolidation of companies, which I don't necessarily know serves um, the, the public any better because I yeah. don't think they're saving much money when it comes to this stuff. So it'll, it'll definitely be interesting. Um, thank you for demystifying yes, a lot of this I, stuff. I hope I did, and I really appreciate uh, the time. And this, this was great, and uh, look forward to doing another one yeah. in, uh, in the future. I'd love to have you. Stephen, thank you so much again. Thank you, Dan.